Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. Self-doubt, you know, it's, it's always there. It's there for all of us, you know, even the most confident person in the world. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. My guest today is one of the most exciting, polarizing, just all-around interesting cats in the wrestling world, Thomas Gilman. And man, I really enjoyed this conversation. I know you will as well, folks. For those of you living under a rock, Thomas Gilman is a multiple-time world team member, a three-time All-American for the Iowa Hawkeyes, a world silver medalist, and now he's training out at the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club. And he's getting married this Friday, folks. So let's give it up for him. Fan of the week goes to my man, Gable Vershore out of Iowa City, Iowa. Thank you for the sticker purchase at our online store, store.wrestlingchangemylife.com. So thank you, Gable. Keep on keeping on, my brother. Last but not least, folks, if you want to hear more from the show, please go to wrestlingchangemylife.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Wrestling Changed My Life. I'll be posting video clips from this interview. And on Twitter, it's Ryan underscore N underscore Warner. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for Thomas Gilman. Peace. All right, Thomas Gilman, Scott Catholic's finest. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, bud. Absolutely. So I know you're a historian and, you know, we're going to talk about books. We're going to talk about World War II. But I thought it was interesting that your initial fascination with World War II started with your grandmother, and, you know, she's a lady who had one job, worked 40 years without missing a day. Is that true? Yeah, you do your research. I wanted to see where it all started, man. I've heard you talk about uh, all these experiences with, with your grandpa and with your father, but I hadn't heard the one about your grandmother. So talk about her impact and how that still stays with you. Yeah, so just a very humble woman. She grew up in, uh, in Germany during the Nazi um, times, I guess. And uh, she lived through the war and, and uh, immigrated here um, in the 50s. My grandfather, uh, her husband, uh, was in the Army, but in Korea. And he got wounded in Korea, went to an Army hospital in, in Germany. They met there. And then she came to the United States kind of on a whim a little bit because she didn't speak English. Or she, yeah, she didn't speak English and he didn't speak German. So um, how that worked out, I'm not sure, but I'm thankful <laughs> for it. And uh, she came here and, and she wanted nothing more than to, you know, be an American and be a good American and 
she learned the language and got right to work. And she had that same job, one job or only job. She worked at a Napa Auto Parts in the um, in the warehouse, stocking stocking the warehouse. So it wasn't easy work by any means. So I, I look up to her a lot. Just uh, I could probably take a few more pages from her book as far as uh, humility. She uh, she puts her head down and, and works. Sometimes I like to run my chops a little bit too much. So <laughs> no, that's um, you know, you talk about that age. Those are like just salt of the earth people who got things done. And I even heard something as extreme as that you used to show up for every high school workout like 15 minutes early. And I'd imagine that all comes from her. Yeah. I mean, if 15 minutes early is probably too late for her, even, <laughs> you know, she, she was never late, still never is late. You know, um, it's just, it's something you don't find anymore. You know, th th those people are, are few and far between. So I think it's uh it's our job, my job to um kind of bring that back and instill that in our society again. So knowing that people who think like you are are rarities in this day and age and, and thank God we have people like you, um, if you ever go into coaching, how do you think you're gonna manage that if you you know, if you see some kids who aren't living up to that standard? Do you ever think about that? Yeah, I think about it all the time. Um, you know, obviously coaching the, the natural path, you know, so I think about that and also how, how are you going to deal with these kids, you know, and, and not only kids you're coaching, but your own kids, you know, one day when we have them. So you, you want to, you want to run a tight ship, but you got to, you got to run it the right way. You don't want to be too hard on them right away. You want to maybe, because I run in this a lot, you know, some, even with, when I'm doing camps is, you know, I jump on these kids maybe too early. I don't give them a chance to maybe correct themselves. I don't say, Hey, you know, you're late. Don't do it again. You know, I'm like, you're late, you know, get on right <laughs> too fast. So just kind of like take the nice route first and say, Hey man, you know, you're late. Don't let it happen again. You know, you know, and try to explain why it's important too, not just like, cause I, I was one of those kids too, where, um, I would follow instructions. I would follow, follow the rules, but I want to know why. You know, so I think more and more kids are like that. I don't think kids are so as rebellious as, as we think they are. They just want they, they're questioning things because they have more access to, to information. So just give them give give them the reason, you know, why it's important, not just for for your wrestling, you know, for the for the community in, in the wrestling room, but also in, in your everyday life. You know, it's important. You know, your time is not worth any more than this other person's time. And when you show up late you're pretty much saying your time's worth more than theirs. So, and that's not very respectful. It all comes down to respect too. You know, it's kind of all stems from principles. So just explaining um, the back end of it and try to get them to come around themselves. And if they don't, then you got to bring the hammer down eventually. And when you went to Russia, I know you've spoken about it a lot, so I'm not going to repeat those questions, but what was the, what was the, the temperament for, for the youth practices? Because sometimes you hear that, there's really no structure. They're just kind of play wrestling. Other times you hear that they're bowing before practice. What did you see with the youth wrestlers when you were in Ossetia and Dagestan? Um, it was very different between uh, Ossetia and Dagestan. And Ossetia, I only witnessed like the very, very little kids that were just like, I mean, they couldn't even tie their shoes yet. And that, that was interesting to me because it was very just fun. You know, they're just getting them in there. You know, they weren't even really practicing, you know, wrestling as, as we think it. It was more just, 
getting in other bodies, doing some somersaults, cartwheels, attempting, you know, duck walks, stuff like that. You know, so it's very, it's more, more of like a gymnastics class. And that's kind of like the, the, the status quo there in the Soviet, um, ex-Soviet nations is they kind of start every sport with, with their gymnastic system. And then once they get that body control, they'll move them into, into actual sport. Not that gymnastics is an actual sport, but more your discipline. Um, but in Dagestan, man, they were, it was more, you know, little older kids, a little bit older than first year wrestlers. I mean, they're actually wrestling and stuff and they, they run a, a tight ship, very tight, you know, if they're, if they're, if they're mouthing off, if they're not paying attention, you know, they, they get whipped, you know, I mean, that's not an exaggeration. You know, they got a little stick, you know, not hard, you know, nothing like abusive. I mean, it would be abusive here. I don't think it's abuse. You know, I mean, if kids mouthing off, you need to put them in place. Um, there you go. I'll probably get in trouble for saying that. But, uh, <laughs> um, is it but, similar I mean, to the senior practices too, like the structure? Um, I assume it is. I didn't really pay too much attention to as far as the structure. Uh, I was just more fascinated with the, with the interaction between the kids and the coaches and how the kids, um, how attentive they were and respectful. You know, they're kids too. Their their attention span is is very little. So I mean, they're talking to each other, they're goofing off, but for the most part, I mean, they're I mean, they're hands behind their back, nodding. You know, it's it's um it's not like practice here. You know, these kids, they're uh they're there for a reason and they know it. Were their parents there? No, I don't. I mean, I don't think those. I I didn't see many parents in Dagestan. Period. These kids just run around. They're crazy. <laughs> It's a, it's a wild, wild west out there. It's different. And so did you do that trip the same time you went to Eurigan, or was that two separate trips? Two separate trips. So that trip uh, to Dagestan was when I went for, for those three weeks um, last year, last October. So I was in Ossetia and then went to Dagestan twice from Ossetia. But uh, Eurigan was the year before that. And I witnessed the same thing in Eurigan. You know, they had um, – or in um, Krasnyarsk, um, as far as the, the kids practice, you know, it's mm. the same, same structure. Not, I don't know about structure. Like I said, I paid more attention to the interactions, how respectful the kids were and, and how, uh, you know, the coaches, they, they expect and they, they demand this uh, discipline, you know, mm. and that's the difference here is like, I think the athletes kind of run over the coaches sometimes too much, you know, uh, and that's the parents' fault too. The parents get involved and they think their kid's always right. And that's the problem with, with being a teacher too is, you know, teacher's never right. It's always the kid. Kid's always right. And that's a fundamental problem in our society that uh, just different there. Yeah, and it seems like, you know, someone like you, you've been around great coaches so you know, um, you know, what to look for and, and what's predictors of success. One thing I got to ask you before we get into your background a little bit is, you know, you – you're at the you know, Penn State, obviously. Big shock for all the uh, former Iowa guys. And, you know, I grew up an Iowa fan uh, representing the Navy in white. How, yeah. would compare, uh, how would you compare Coach Sanderson's approach to the sport versus Coach Brandt, just from the little you've seen so far? Um, it's, it's obviously very different. But um, fundamentally, it's the same because I think all great coaches and mentors – there, there are certain things that, that are continuous through all their mentalities and their, their approaches, right? 
And so although here at Penn State and Coach Kale preaches this, this aspect of having fun and it being fun, you know, it, it's not just like fun. It's not fun in games, right? It's, it's, um, there's nothing more that Kale hates than losing, you know, and the same with Tom, Tom Brands, you know, they, they hate losing more than anything. So um, it's different. It's been good for me, you know, just to kind of have a, just more creativity in my, in my wrestling and in, in my life. So it's mm. been, you know, Coach Kale's very creative. Tom, Tom too, but um, just different, you know, and, and it's not, not one's not better than the other. Obviously, Coach Kale is better for me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you just need – sometimes you need change, and change can be good. Change is always good as long as you keep good perspective. And how long did it take to, to really get in the groove out there with, with the guys and with the practices? It didn't take long at all. No time. I mean, I, I'm familiar with a lot of these guys, you know. Me and Zane go back, you know, all the way to 17 when we were roommates all summer, and, and we've kind of had that relationship um, ever since, you know, and then being around Bo and David, you know, on trips and at training camp, you know. So it's not like I'm coming to a place that's completely foreign, you know. The atmosphere and, and the mentality is different, you know, but um, that's why I came here. And you're around the best guys in the world. So it's – and everyone's – their mindset's the same. Mm. You know, we all want the same thing. So it's easy to, to fit in when – Everyone wants to be an Olympic champion. And how often are you guys all coming together for a, a workout? Or is it individualized? Um, I mean, it's like just everything's getting back to normal for the most part. So four or five days a week between, um, you know, mat workouts and lifting and stuff. So gotcha. Pretty, pretty good amount of time to spend with these guys. And you're someone who I really love your approach to – just how you spend your days. I mean, it looks like you got the compound set up in PA. You got the chickens out there. You're doing yard work. Mm-hmm. You're reading a lot of Seneca. Um, and I, I love your, your videos on Wednesday and the one you just did where you talk about confidence comes from the will, comes from desire, and comes from a clear vision. How old were you and when did your clear vision of wrestling start? Like where you really knew what you wanted to do? Oh, it, it started right away. I think for, for as long as I can remember, I, I had this vision of what I wanted to do. Um, and I think that I'm learning more about it now that um, I've always wanted to be a world Olympic champion. That was the, the goal. I never set any milestones or process goals. You know, I always had just this end goal. So looking back at my career so far, I never set a goal to be a national champion in college. Obviously, that's, that's the goal, right? You, you want to win every match and, and compete hard and be a national champion, four-time national champion, blah, blah, blah. But I never actually sat down and, and, and wrote that down. I want to be a national champion. I look back at my, my journals you know, through college, through high school, world Olympic champion, world Olympic champion, world Olympic champion. It never crossed my mind to be a national champion. And maybe that's why it never happened. Mm. So just something to, to think about you know, for me. And, but as long as I can remember, you know, so far back that I remember um, I want to be an Olympic champion in freestyle Greco and folk style. Like I didn't (laughs) even realize that folk style wasn't in in the Olympics. And then you get a little older and you're like, yeah, you're stupid. Like folk style is just in the United States. So then I kind of wrote off folk style for the longest time. It's just something I had to do during the winter to get through to the summer where I can win Olympic gold medal, you know? And then it's like, well, I'm going to be the best in the world. I got to pick one. It's got to be Greco or freestyle. 
and I have to do folk style because of high school, high school and college. So I probably should pick freestyle because it's more, I can do it more. Mm-hmm. And then ever since it's just been the rest is history. Well, how, I guess I'm writing, writing history now. You're so. still in it, baby. That's the exciting yeah. part is, and you know, you were someone who was coming into 2020 blazing hot. Um, and so the, the delay probably impacted you, you know, you were, you were right there. Like you weren't coming off an injury. Um, but knowing that you had that extra year, how often, even back in the day as a kid, were you visualizing matches or techniques? All day, every day. I mean, it, it's not, it was nonstop. Once I got hooked up with YouTube, it was like game on. And uh, just always, you know, I was my fiance, soon to be wife, gives me a hard time sometimes. Like if she's in another room, I'll be out here, you know, trying to work through things in my head. She's like, what are you doing? You know, whether I'm out there shadow wrestling or, or uh, you know, just sitting here kind of – people think that, you know, we as wrestlers, we just daydream. You know, our, our minds kind of wander, whatever. That's not the case. What we're focused on, on on a technique or a position that we're thinking about, you know. Even, you know, in class, I'd sit there and just like – not that I was bored in class or I didn't want to pay attention. It's just I was preoccupied with, with trying to figure out how to finish the single leg on this guy. You know, he's got a deep shin whiz around me. How am I going to finish it? You know, so you're kind of running that through your mind and it's, it's nonstop. And the difference between good, good wrestlers and great wrestlers is how often do you think about wrestling? Everyone wrestles hard. Everyone practices. Everyone shows up. Everyone does wrestling, right? But how much time are you putting into thinking about wrestling, studying wrestling, whether that's film, you know, reading about guys, thinking about it, you know, are you hitting your 20, 30, 40 shots? before you get out of bed, you know, or are you hitting your shots until you fall asleep? You know, some people count sheep. I count single, single legs, you know? So I don't know where we started there, but no, I was just wondering what the, the visualization was and in the sense of, has it always been all consuming or was there a turning point where it really clicked? And it sounds like it's been kind of from the early days for you. It's been as long as I can remember. I just think about it all the time. Even when I'm, I'm in here, digging these posts and for, for my fence. And, you know, I can go back to every single post. And I can tell you what technique I was thinking about. You know, <laughs> people say it's mindless work, but it's not mindless. You know, I, my mind's my, my, I'm occupied. So. And when you, when you sit down to, to meditate or pray or, or however you want to call it to me, it's the same thing. Is that something where you're doing it every morning or does it just happen throughout the day? Um, I'll make a distinction here. So, so the prayer happens um, in the morning and evening. Um, but I think you, I find myself praying, you know, throughout the day too. And like something funny happens or you're just like, man, that's a beautiful sunset. You just say a little prayer, but, but the meditation, as far as like uh, the wrestling goes, like think about technique, it's just random. You know, maybe I'll just, I'll just get anxious. Like, Oh, what was I just anxious about? Oh Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't finish that high cross. The guy sit in the corner. So I just kind of like sit down for a second and just think about it. Just run it through my head, figure out, you know, some ideas, take it to practice, see if it works. So it, it's both, you know. So sometimes there's like deliberate, okay, like, like especially, you know, in the mornings or evenings, um, as far as the wrestling goes, you know, I'll hit, let's say I didn't have a great day at practice. You know, maybe the guy whooped up on me. Uh, or, or I wasn't able to finish this shot or the guy was getting me in this position, beating me inside. I'll just sit there and, and run, you know, run it through my head 50, 60 times, just trying to 
you know, get that just right, you know, cause you can only do so much physically. Uh, so you gotta, you gotta close that gap and fill in the space with, with that mental work. So it's both. Sometimes it's random. Sometimes it's, it's deliberate. And how does that meticulate into like self-talk 20 minutes out from a match? Where are you at there? Are you Zen? We're not saying anything or you have a, a little routine you run through. Oh, I'm always talking to myself. So I have no friends. So who else am I supposed to talk to? <laughs> the chickens, uh, man. <laughs> yeah. They talk to me too. Um, no, I'm definitely talking to myself. Uh, I, you know, actually a couple of weeks ago, coach Kale said something that was that very insightful for me is like, talk to yourself. Don't listen to yourself. Cause if you start listening to yourself, that's when the negative thoughts come in. That's when the devil starts creeping in and telling you, you can't do this. You got to keep the devil out. You got to keep those negative thoughts at bay. So that's why you talk to yourself. And I never knew why I talked to myself. It was just kind of calming for me, but that's the reason why is to, to, to stay positive and, and keep those, those bad things at bay. And so I, I have a little routine that, that I go through in my head and uh, it's just, it's the same every time, same for all my matches, the same at practice, you know, focus in, get ready for a live go, getting ready for matches on Fridays. You know, it's the same routine, just getting ready to go. And you don't have to share the details of it, but for any young wrestlers out there listening, they say, Thomas Gilman's my hero, but I get a little nervous before my matches. What would you share with those, those youngsters out there who are tuning in? Find a phrase and, or a couple phrases that, that you kind of go to to kind of like remind yourself of what the task is at hand. So something as simple as hands, feet, moving your hands, moving your feet. That goes back to Terry Brands. Give him credit for, for credit or credit where it's due, right? Um, you know, because I have a tendency to move my hands but not my feet. So hands, feet, feet, hands. Um, just a simple reminder to yourself. Um, it can be anything, whatever, whatever feels good for you. I have, I have certain phrases that I say in my head and also I have a prayer that I say right before I t take the mat, you know, and nothing, you know, people, you know, might ask, well, what if it gets interrupted? It doesn't get inter interrupted. You don't take that mat until you're ready to go, you know, and I'm always ready to go, but I don't take the mat until I'm ready to go. And that's one thing I do before I take that mat is I have my, my um, kind of phrases and the way I kind of talk to myself. It's not like, self-talk where oh yeah you're talking to yourself you're it's just phrases like mm -hmm. over and over and over and then you have your prayer get ready for battle so it's interesting you say that because it's it's as much about keeping the negative thoughts out as you get closer to competition and it's you know the phrases work well mine is optimism gratitude kindness if i can if i'm ever in a in a funk or in a mood it's because i'm not living by one of those three things either i'm taking myself too seriously and I'm, I'm being not mean, but I'm being short to people or, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not grateful for what it is. So those are my three, but I think I'm glad you hit on that, that little phrase or that short thing you say to yourself versus getting in. It's not like a 30 minute montage where you're talking to yourself and expressing every feelings. It's quick <laughs> to the point and it, um, it serves a purpose. Yeah, for sure. I like that. Optimism, gratitude. And what was the other one? Kindness. Humility. Kindness. Kindness. I like I yeah, like sometimes that. you take your tough self too seriously and you're like, what, what is, I'm getting ready for a podcast. I can, I can take 10 minutes to talk to my mom, you know, because I like right. to do things in chunks. It's like I got two hour, like three to four two-hour blocks a day and I don't like those two-hour blocks to get interrupted. And so if I'm in the middle of a prep for Thomas Gilman and I get a phone call, 
I don't need to be a dick on it. I can just take myself not so seriously and take a phone call. You know, it's like, right. Yeah. Sometimes I get a little unreasonable about my windows being chopped up and I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. I get that way too. Just got to, that, that's when I know I'm kind of like in a funk too, is like when I start being short to people and I'm not, not real nice. It's like, man, get over yourself. Like what, what <laughs> you're really upset about this. Like the guy's going, not going the speed limit or something. It's, like, it's not your problem. It's not his problem. It's your problem. So get over it. So that's a Jocko thing. You know? Oh, did I saw you good. Oh my God. That's one of my favorite videos. Dude, I saw you retweeted Jocko for president. I could not agree more, man. He is incredible. Oh, He's, he's too smart for that, but <laughs> I, I, I saw that come across. I had to. He's the man. Now, someone like you, uh, you know, people hear you talk and they say, man, this guy's never had a self-doubt in the world. He's never had a negative thought in the world. But I, I read that in 2018, you had the injury, um, you opted not to have surgery, but it sidelined, sidelined you in the sense of you were still wrestling, but you said you had lost your mojo. So, I mean, how did... What do you remember from that experience and how you got out of some of those low points to where you're at now? I think one thing that I did with that injury was I brought myself back so fast physically that I left my mind behind. And so I think I didn't realize how much I was hurt mentally and emotionally. Um, and that that's where your mojo's at, right? You can do it physically. I mean, I did it physically. I came back and I was able to wrestle. I made the world team. I got fifth in the world's. Um, nobody thought I was going to do that. Nobody. I don't care what anybody says. Nobody thought so. Only me. Um, but my mind just wasn't there. I just, and I didn't know why I did. I couldn't, I, I had no, no idea that I wasn't working on my mind. I was so preoccupied with my, my body and my, my leg that um, I think that's the, the easiest thing to leave behind. Hmm. And it's the most important thing to, to maybe put first. Because some guys, you know, they're not physically or technically um, that great, but they have a great mind. Hmm. And, um, yeah, just go t tapping in on the uh, self-doubt, you know, it's, it's always there. It's there for all of us, you know, even the most confident person in the world, Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, those two guys come to mind, you know, they're, they're solid. They're solid competitors. They had the, that self-doubt. You know, Mike Tyson talks about it because mm -hmm. um, the devil's with each and every one of us. You know, so we got to do what we can to keep him at bay because that, that's, that's who's putting those thoughts in there. I, I believe that any negative thought I have, it's not me. I, I didn't come up with that thought. That's not Thomas Gilman's thought. That's the devil putting that thought in my mind. Mm. You know, so I got to say, hey, man, back off. You know, I'm, I'm going to walk this line and you're not going to knock me off it. So it's, it's just an everyday battle. You know, and, and I like battles, so bring it on. Every day, man. Now, yeah. going back to that that moment where you realized you left your mind behind, so to speak, how did you, I guess a better way to put it is, did you know it at the time or only after did you have some time to reflect and realize that there was a disconnect? Oh, I didn't realize it for about a year. So Randy Lewis actually brought this to my attention, not knowingly. Cause we were at the nationals talking about uh, when he broke his arm, his senior year of college. And he, he, that he used that phrase, he lost his mojo and he couldn't win. He couldn't figure out how to win. You know, he just, he was in every match. He just couldn't win. And I was like, that's me. You know, that's me right there. It's like, I, I'm, I've never been, you know, one time 
I've been really whipped. And I was in, in the in the semis of the worlds when that the Kazakhstan tech me. But every match I was in, you know, all these matches, but I just couldn't figure out a way to win. You know, even um, you know, trials of nineteen. You know, I say what you want, you know, whatever, but I just I just didn't win it. I, I had it won, I just didn't win it. I just didn't know how to at the time. And so Randy Willis brought that to my attention. I was like, that's it right there. I got to get my mojo back. I got to figure out my mojo. And uh, it took a while. And I, it's just now starting to come back. Or it was just starting to come back. I think I got it figured out in about um, February. So we'll of see. 2020, yeah. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. And it's just like, you know, every person out there goes through those ups and downs. Um and knowing that you idolized Tom and Terry, they've had their ups and downs. Let's go back to uh, high school for you. Where were you recruited to outside of Iowa? Um, so obviously Iowa, Oklahoma State, and Nebraska. Those were kind of the, the, three, the three ones. I, I, there are some phone calls um, from other places, Indiana, Old Dominion, you know, but I didn't really give them the time of day, to be honest. I just um, – I had my mind made up. But Nebraska is right down the road. You know, I was close with Coach Manning. I'd go down there and, and work out. So, you know, out of respect, you know, we'll see, we'll see what, what they have to offer. And then Oklahoma State, you know, I was a fan of John Smith growing up too. You know, actually in high school, I, I wrestled probably more like John Smith than, than, uh, than Tom Brands. But, um, yeah, I, I wanted to see what they had to offer because I was excited about, about Oklahoma State too. But I think in the back of my head, it was just Iowa. I was an Iowa kid. My, you know, my high school program under Coach Hildebrandt, you know, we were, he modeled it after Iowa, mm. after Gable and, and Brands. So it was just a natural fit, more natural. And it was good. It was the perfect place for me at the time. And uh, it's where I cut my teeth. And it's been, it was good to me. And how familiar were you with Corey Clark before you guys both got there? Oh, way too familiar. I mean, we, we wrestled ever since we started wrestling. I mean, we, we wrestled over 100 times growing up. I mean, every weekend, every other weekend, some years we'd be at different weights, but most, most of the time we're the same weight. So we knew each other re real well. But, you know, I, I remember he committed, and I was like, dang it. Like, they don't want me at Iowa. You know, they got Clark, and, and I'll go to Oklahoma State. And I just had my mind made up. And then my coach – Coach Hildebrandt said, hey, just take a, take a little bit and, and think about it. Don't be so hasty. I was like, all right, I'll think about it. And I remember it was kind of right when I was starting to get, get um, really deep into the Russian wrestling and Satyev and, and Fedzaev and all those guys. And I was like, gosh, dang it, I'm going to Iowa. I just I, – because I, I, – and my, my, the, my thought process was, why are the Russians so good? It's because they got two, three, four guys that can win the Worlds every year, you know? Do they know, but they have that kind of depth. I was like, well, what makes Iowa so good at the time? Well, the depth. And if I want to be the best in the world, the best in the country, I got to be where I have the best partners, the best depth, guys that can, can beat me up and, and challenge me. So at the time I had, you know, Clark, obviously, Dennis, Ramos, McDonough, you know, then they used to throw, <laughs> it, it was just, it, it was just crazy. You know, so you, Monday you got Clark, Tuesday you got Ramos, Wednesday maybe you have off, Thursday McDonough, Friday Dennis. It's like, 
how, how could I not get better? How could I not be the best? So, and that's kind of what I was looking for, you know, coming here to Penn state was I just didn't, um, I needed to find guys that w- would challenge me and beat me uh, mentally and, and physically, you know, so I'm, I'm, you know, I had certain guys at, at Iowa, but it just wasn't, it just wasn't, it wasn't right. Mm. So coming here, it's just, you know, you got Nick Lee and RBY and Rutherford and, and company. So it's just, well, and I mean, Penn state's never been known as a, a 125 powerhouse, whereas you and Iowa, they've been the dominant force at 125 for a while. So have you been involved in recruiting at all? Or has it mostly been just Thomas Gilman work so far? Well, I think that's probably pretty illegal to, uh, for me to do some recruiting, but I'm not sure I do. You know, I, I help out everybody, you mm-hmm. know, I'm not, I'm not a selfish person. Yeah. Um, you know, when it's time to go, it's time to go and I'm going to get myself ready. But um, in my mind, if, if, if I'm bringing good energy to the room and I'm competing hard and I'm, you know, enjoying myself, then it's going to bring the energy of the room up. So, um, and I, it's hard not to help guys, you know, like I'm a, maybe that's my ego too. It's like, I want to, I want to get my hands on some of these younger guys, these older guys and, and uh, make them better, you know, cause that might make me look good, but I just want to make everybody around me a little bit better, you know, like, like wrestling with Roman, you know, he's, it's just a perfect dynamic for the both of us because he needs to get a little bit better and staying in there and that hand fight and that little bit more, a little bit grittier. Mm-hmm. And I need, I need work on getting my hands on guys and, and controlling that speed and that, that scramble ability where he's going to wrestle through every position, whether he gives up two or four, whatever, you know? So yeah, I haven't done, I don't recruit. And when I say recruiting, I, yeah, it's not like you're, it's not like you're like making phone calls, crap like that. But I'm just saying, like, right. you have a 125 guy in there, who's you know a multiple time world team. You would think of the back of some of those PA kids that would impact things, but yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, it's it's going to be good for for our program here at Penn State, you know, to have me here, because um, maybe guys, you know, they're smaller guys. They're like, well, maybe I have these partners, but. Um, they're more of a middleweight school now that I'm here and, and, you know, it's going to change a lot of kids' minds. I mean, no matter what weight you're at, why wouldn't you want to come to Penn state with kale and company? Because you got kale at at the top, our general, he Olympic champion. You got Varner Olympic champion, Snyder Olympic champion. Like, do I got to keep going? Snyder world champion. (laughs) Uh, um, David Taylor, world champion, Gilman, world silver medalist, Rutherford, multi-time world team member. And it's only going to get better, you know? So just looking at the energy of the room, it's just, I mean, feeling it, it's just, it's unbelievable. I, I hate driving downtown and driving by, by rec hall and not going to practice. Mm. I mean, it, it's, it sucks, but luckily I practice today. So. I don't got to drive by and not go. And that leads me to something I was eager to talk about. You're a man of discipline and you talk about your practice today. What's a day in the life for Thomas Gilman? What time do you wake up? What are some of the first things you do to start your day? Uh, I usually try to get up before seven, you know, sometimes it's closer to seven than I'd like, but I've been trying to balance it. You know, I used to be a, a 545. I'm up, you know, but then I have to take a nap and I, 
I need more sleep than, than a lot of guys. I'm not like Jocko. I'm opposite. <laughs> Jocko needs like four hours of sleep. I need like nine. <laughs> I don't know if it's because I'm training or what, but I feel better when I get about nine hours of sleep. So I try to go to bed a decent hour and get up before seven, you know, because I like to be up when, right when the sun's coming up, you know, right about now. Uh, in the summer, it's like 5.30. It's early. Mm-hmm. But I'll get up, you know, I'll have – you know, drink some water and my green juice and kind of just chill out for a little bit, make some coffee, try to have a slow morning, you know, for about 45 minutes to an hour, listen to some news. You know, I always try to try to get a good balance in my life. You know, in the morning, I'll listen to NPR because sometimes it's hard for me to listen to NPR. So I'll do it first thing in the morning <laughs> and then I turn it off and I'll maybe go to like Glenn Beck or someone like that, you know, when he comes on the radio a little bit in the afternoon, but I try to get both sides, you know, and then, you know, just see, see what there's to do around the house. You know, it, like today practice was, is late, 3.30. So, I, you know, I didn't this morning, but go for a run. You know, just, just get moving. Nothing crazy, you know, just a couple miles, 30, 40 minutes. You know, I have a rower downstairs, do that. But uh, I'm leaving tomorrow, so going to Iowa to get married. So there's some stuff around the house I had to do. You know, fix, finishing the fence, making sure the chickens are all squared away. I had to put some netting over the top of their, their run you know, cause I'm not going to be here. So mm-hmm. just try and keep the, the Hawks out of there. <laughs> and then, yeah, just kind of did some reading this morning, little, little, little Bible reading and, and, uh, extracurricular reading, doing some marriage reading. Okay. So just trying to be the best. I, I want to be the best at everything, you know, and when it comes to being, getting married and being a husband, I'm like, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be the greatest, you know? And part of that is is having having God in that relationship. So, trying to to figure that out. And actually, thanks to Nashawn Garrett, gotta give him a shout out. He he gave me this book that I'm reading. Um, so to help with uh, like relationship advice, because I it, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like um, the meaning of marriage is what it's called. Okay, Timothy Keller. Yeah, it's good. It's real good. It's funny you say that because being um, someone who's also obsessive where I could drive, you know, eight hours with someone sitting next to me and not even realize it because I'm in my head planning a documentary or planning an interview. I often find it really um, challenging to find a spouse that can put up with the obsession. And luckily I've done that. Luckily you've done that. I'm not married or anything, but um, that's an interesting battle, isn't it? Or an interesting challenge to solve is to try and be on your edge and be in your head, but also be open to other people, especially someone you live with. Yeah, it's really hard. You got to find that right balance and you got to have someone that understands or at least will try to understand. Um, yeah, it is tough because some, sometimes I don't do a good job sometimes of balancing it. And actually when I'm not doing well, as far as my wrestling and, and competition and stuff, it's usually when, I, when something's off balance, mm-hmm. you know, like Jordan Peterson says, you got to have one foot in chaos and the other in order. You know, you don't want to have both in chaos and both in order. And so sometimes when you're, when we're too much in our own heads, you know, focusing on what we think is important, we're too much in order. You know, like you said, you took your, your mom's phone call, you know, that balanced you out a little bit. It does. Yeah. So it is difficult. You know, you gotta, like, like you said, don't take yourself too seriously and make time for other people because at the end of the day, that's what it's about is, is, um, community and, and helping people and, and just being humble. Mm-hmm. So 
Well, I like how you put it. You put it as something you're working on, just like anything else you would. Um, and I mean your relationship and, and your upcoming marriage, getting married this Friday, which is awesome. Um, so I wanted to wind down. I don't always do rapid fire, but with you, you're, you have so many topics I could talk about. I figured it'd be easy to kind of narrow it down. So I have three other quick questions we can hammer through if you got time, All my right. friend. Yep, let's do it. Cool. So obviously you're a super influenced by the Russian system. Um, who were some of the early influences that you watched on YouTube when you were studying the Russians? Uh, Satyev, probably the biggest one. Uh, Batyarov, those two were the, were the main two uh, in the beginning. And then um, Bazit Kudukov, mm. you know, from Osetia. He's passed on, but... Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, Lebedev, he's a little, he was, um, I viewed him as a, as a contemporary, you know, cause like when he kind of came on the scene, I was thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to make the team in, in 12, you know, <laughs> I was thinking that, you know, so I was like, I'm a wrestling and, but he got beat by Otar Sultanov, but, uh, so we wouldn't have actually wrestled anyways, but those, those guys, so Satyev, Batyarov, Lebedev and, and Kadukov are the big ones. I don't know Lebedev, but <clears throat> obviously Satyev's amazing. Um, are they all Dagestani or Osatian, or are they a mix of each? They're all different. So Batyarov is Dagestan. Uh, Satyev is Chechnya. Mm. Um, Lebedev, he's from Yakutsk in Siberia. And then um, Kadukov is, is Osetian, Alanya. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, he's a uh, man. A lot, lot of fun to watch. Kudakov wrestle. Now, when you think about, so you do a lot of wrestling learning on YouTube, but you do a lot of mind learning through reading and mind learning is a kind of a weird way to put it. It's just learning. But um, yeah, outside of you've just published a blog on some of your favorite books. Uh, I know you love Citizen Soldier. Um, Unbroken is a great book. Tell me something you've read in the last year, maybe that didn't make that list that really is something sticks out to you or a book you gift often. Oh, man, I probably should gift books more often. Let me think here for a second. I'm drawing a blank on anything I read. Well, why do you like Citizen Soldiers so I, much? Actually, okay, I'll, I'll answer that question. Citizen Soldier, it just it gives you good perspective on what it's like to be in the trenches, um, is how I would put it. It's not a ten thousand foot view of history it's not from the general's perspective it's not um what you would think of as far as like reading a a textbook what most people think of history like oh it's numbers and dates and people it's like no it's it's more than that it's about humanity and that's what citizen soldier soldier you know kind of presented for me is the humanity of it of the war and and what it was like to be you know that guy on the front lines it'd be it'd be me and you Mm-hmm. You know, that's who, that's who it would be. You know, it's not going to be these, these politicians or anybody like that. So I don't care to read about those politicians. I don't care to read about Churchill or FDR. You know, they're, they're fine people, but they weren't, they weren't the guys. They were maybe making the policy, but they weren't making the calls. They weren't in the trenches, you know, getting their hands dirty. And that's what I like. So I'm, I'm a trenches guy. I'm just a humble, humble guy, you know, and I'd be the one out there fighting. So I want to know what it was like. Yeah, I've heard you say that. I've I haven't bought it yet, but I'm in it this week. I I'm obsessed with World War II. Have you seen uh, World War II in color on Netflix? Oh yeah, freaking it's great, amazing, dude, amazing. It's great. And then there's Fury. 
Have you seen Fury? No. The movie? Oh, you got to see it. I've seen it three times in theaters. Fury. It's great. Writing it yeah. down. With Brad Pitt. Okay. It's like, it's like a little fic- – it's like historical fiction, but it's good. Tank Crew. Okay. It's gritty. And the book I was going to recommend to you that I think you would enjoy, if you like one from the trenches, is Man's Search for Meaning. It's oh, a- yeah. Easy. Dude. That's great. Unbelievable book. I actually, I actually gifted that book to my sister a couple years ago. And she read it and she was kind of, she's, she's younger. She is a freshman in college now. And she was maybe sophomore or junior in high school when I gifted it. Mm-hmm. And I just talked to her the other night and I said, cause she recommended a book to me. I was like, I'll read it, but you got to promise me that you'll go back and read man's search for meaning because I think you'll understand it better now. She's mm-hmm. kind of matured a lot. So uh, I'm excited to hear back from her after she, she reads it again. That put, is, uh, ne- put the ne- word never, out there. She's got to read never, it now. Yeah, never lose your sense of humor. That's, That's the biggest thing. Oh my, that one and like smoke that last cigarette, <laughs> or like just you know all you can do is control how you respond to situations. And I'm probably the worst at it because I get annoyed if my buzzer door, my buzzer guy rings the doorbell when I'm doing a podcast like this. And I'm like, Victor Frankel didn't get upset when he's running through the fields with no shoes in the middle of winter when his family was right. dead. And I'm getting upset about a, a bad driver or my doorbell ringing during a podcast. It's like. It's so hard it's all, to put it in context. It's all perspective. That's stoicism. You got to get in that stoicism. Ryan Holiday. I, I do love that, yeah. that stuff. Um, so last question, Mr. Gilman. And I don't ask everyone this question. You know, my podcast is called Wrestling Changed My Life. But I do want to hear from you. You know, how has wrestling changed your life or how has it shaped and molded who you are today as Thomas Gilman? I think it's given me a sense of direction. Um, it's kept me out of trouble. You know, it, it's helped me make the right decisions. Um, just because I think, you know, just being a young man, there's a lot of distractions and a lot of forks in the road and you can make the right or wrong decision for, for you. I don't think there's, yeah, there are wrong decisions. Actually, I take that back, but just helping me make the right decision. Cause um, there have been times in my life where it would have been hard to, choose if to go the right way or the wrong way and it was more tempting to go the wrong way but i had this this weight this anchor to pull me in the right direction that was wrestling you know it keeps you disciplined in your in your lifestyle and your diet keeps you disciplined in your lifestyle as far as you know drugs and and drinking alcohol um which i i condone drugs but you know not going to sit here and say I don't enjoy a beer or two, you know, but moderation is key. Um, how to treat people, how to, how to, how to really respect people, how to respect yourself, how to work hard. You know, luckily I had some good mentors and family members, you know, grandparents that, that taught me how to work hard too. But I, I took that and applied it to the sport of wrestling and, and it's given me an outlet. You know, sometimes I, I tend to get angry and, and uh, been out of shape and upset. And I, I kind of take that, energy and direct it to something positive instead of going down and beating up the frat guy or something. Mm-hmm. So do you ever feel that it gives you like, it also gives you a reason not to feel guilty about being like an obsessed outcast on society, which everyone I know who wrestles is. And I feel like without wrestling, you just would be running around, not you in particular, but we as the wrestling world would be running around like islands of misfit toys without, you know, not knowing that it's okay to be this obsessed with one thing because people like Tom and Terry did it their whole life you know 
Yeah, I think that would be a terrible world if we didn't have wrestling. I mean, you have all <laughs> these high-strung guys. Just, I mean, we would need a war or something to keep us busy because, I mean, I can't imagine what kind of it's – like, it's like a dog, you know. If you don't give it a job or you don't keep it busy, it's going to find something to do that, that you're probably not going to like. And so, you know, we're all, we're all just dogs, so we've got to have some kind of direction. That's it, man. Thank God we have it. And thank you for the, your time today, sir. I know you have thomasgilman.com, which Justin Bass just said it looks awesome. I know you're working with the shot sled. Any other sponsors or people you want to plug before we hop off here, my friend? Uh, Scrap Life, you know, my apparel sponsor and, and shoe sponsor. So if you're looking to get some Thomas Gilman gear, some T-shirts or sweatshirts or sweatpants, you know, check out scraplife.com and, and grab that stuff there. Um, Nittany Lion Wrestling Club, you know, we're having a, another event October 20th. I will not be participating because it's four days after my wedding. So I want to be, uh, that's one of the reasons I chose not to compete this weekend was, you know, I, we as, you know, me and the coaches talked and it maybe was best to, to be present and focus on the wedding. <laughs> so with, with an event coming up four days after, I, I, we thought the same thing. So, uh, but tune in to, to support my teammates and, and the club. October 20th on Rockfin. Make sure you sign up through the Nittany Line Wrestling Club Rockfin thing because I know people are out there scamming people and scamming us, and, and I'll take kindly to that. And I know Kale doesn't either. Mm-hmm. So you might not mind me on your bad – or might not mind being on my bad side, but you don't want to be on Coach Kale's bad side because he's a lot more important than I am. <laughs> um, but that's it, you know. Maybe uh, I'm starting to get settled here in Pennsylvania and – and after the wedding, I should, you know, fire out some, some more blogs. You know, people then, mainly Adam Fellers has been on my butt saying I need to get a blog out there because I think he's bored and needs something to read. But, um, yeah, hopefully something will be coming soon. Dude, if nothing else, just transcribe yourself talking and we'll find someone to type it up because I know it's hard to sit down and type that stuff. But uh, I, yeah, I that's, just... a, that's a fun of it. I was a history major, so I, li- I like writing. There you go, man. Well, I enjoyed reading the two blogs you have. That's thomasgilman.com. Thank you for your time, sir. Best of luck this weekend, and we'll see you again soon. Hey, thanks very much, man. This was great. Appreciate it. And all great things must come to an end. If you want to hear more from the podcast, text WRESTLE to 555-888. That's WRESTLE to 555-888. You can also find us on Instagram, Wrestling Changed My Life, Twitter, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner as well as our website, wrestlingchangemylife.com. Take care, y'all.